Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number four hundred, ladies and gentlemen. Four hundred. We have spoken. We've spoken a lot over the last nine years. I'm as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Anakin Skywalker to my Obi Wan Kenobi. We have Carl Leclerc. Oh my goodness! I hope I'm not the death of you. Uh, one day, Anakin. One day. You're the, you're the closest thing I've ever had to a father. Then why don't you act like it? <laughs> I am trying. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jason. Nine years and 400 episodes. Yeah, that's that's impressive. I didn't... I. I didn't necessarily think we'd ever like really stop the podcast when we first started, but... I, for whatever reason, getting to this point just never computed. I'm right there with you. Again, same thing. Like, you know, a little over nine years ago when we first recorded our first episode, I was just like, I don't have an end date in mind, but I'm sure this won't be forever. And so far, it's been forever since, and I love it. <laughs> so it has. <laughs> oh, It's been so, so crazy and awesome and amazing, and I, I couldn't have picked a better co-host. Uh, right back at you, buddy. We are so excited to celebrate the 400th episode with you all this week. And we are going to obviously uh, look at the latest Mandalorian sneak preview we just got this Monday night. Um, But we are also excited to just talk about some of our favorite ancillary Star Wars works. So some of those things um, that tell the story of the movies, but in different ways. And some of our favorite things that do that. So we are going to dive into all of that on this episode, but we are so fortunate to have so many of you take who had taken the time to send in some of your thoughts 
about what you've loved about the podcast over these past 400 episodes. So we're going to be sharing your thoughts and your kind words throughout the episode this week. Um, so before we even do that, just a huge thank you to all of you who took the time to write in or record a short little clip for us. Um, we are just so humbled by by all of that. Yes, and and for those who didn't, we we love and and thank you for your support uh, for you know liking us on social media and just listening to the podcast all this time. So uh, even if you didn't have the time or the opportunity to to send something in, thank you anyway for being on this crazy journey with us. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome to the show <laughs> yes indeed um and uh of course at the end of tonight's episode we are back to continuing our journey through the a new hope radio drama so we are already up to episode 10 the luke skywalker initiative so if you've been following along stick around after the show and you can listen in for episode 10 of the radio drama. Again, we are a few weeks away from finishing that up where Jason, you and I will finally sit down and talk all things, a new hope radio drama in just a few weeks. Yeah. And I can't wait. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be nuts. Um, been a long time coming. It's yes. like the third time this we've done. Third, yeah. This is the third run through we've done of, of it over the, over the many years. Um, so I'm excited yeah. to actually sit down and talk about it at length. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, well, so obviously in place of our poll from uh, last week, uh, we obviously just invited all of you to, to send in some of your thoughts about the podcast over all these years and all these episodes. Um, and we're, like I said, we'll share those throughout. Um, but we do have a really epic matchup for you at the end of the episode to share. Yes. Um, so so of course, stick around for that as well. um, As well as some other information, we were going to do a giveaway today, but we're actually extending that one more week. So if you want to learn some more details about how to how to win a copy of the Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark um, book, uh, stick around. Also, at the end of the episode, we're going to go over how you can do all that as well. Um, But Jason, I think it's time we just kind of dive into things. Um, And and in order to do that, I'm I'm going to play our first little message that we got from our you know our our really dear friend Riley Blanton who is the the editor host and creator of the Star Wars Report podcast as well as the Star Wars Report network which we are a part of we yes. um 9 years ago we became the first other podcast within the network so we've been we've known Riley for a long time and he he is just wonderful and he sent in a few words to share with us here on the show What's up, Wampus Lair? Uh, hey, congratulations on 400 episodes. That's crazy, guys. Um, it's Riley from the Star Wars Report. And who knew that uh, all this, what is it, like nine years later that you guys have been going strong, uh, you'd still be doing it and turning out amazing episodes talking about Star Wars. Um, I've always loved listening to you guys, your passion for that galaxy far, far away, and just how unapologetically... You guys love Star Wars um, and articulate it so well. So I've uh, looked forward to many, many, many more episodes. And my favorite memory, um, I got to say, it's probably just the chance that we got to meet each other at uh, Star Wars Fan Days way out in Plano, Texas all those years ago, like almost 10 years ago now, I guess. Um, And just getting a chance to hang out in a small, more intimate Star Wars uh, setting. So Mm -hmm. I I can't Mm -hmm. wait till, you know, we actually get a chance to hang out in person again at whatever future Star Wars celebration is whenever it does happen. Uh, but until then, keep uh, putting out great episodes, and may the Force be with you. Good old Riley. Good old Riley. 
I remember Babyface Riley from back in the fan days days. <laughs> we were all Babyface back then, before Disney, before the pandemic. <laughs> yes. yes, indeed. <laughs> back back when uh, Star Wars fan days was held in the uh, the convention center that looked like a sand crawler. Ugh, which is obviously where you and I met. <laughs> and this, yes. this very podcast was born. Yes, it was. It so. was birthed out of out of that trip. So uh, yeah. yeah. thanks Riley for that. And uh, man, thanks for the support and the help getting this up off the ground. Yeah. Riley continues to be just an incredibly helpful, uh, silent partner there in the background. Anytime I have any sort of tech issues with anything we do, um, I can reach out to Riley and he, he gets back to me very, very, very quickly. <laughs> so um, he, he's been, he's been a staple in the background for, for, for many, many years. So very appreciative of, of him. Um, Indeed. Uh, but you know, Jason, once again, it's so interesting how, it, you know, we always record on Tuesday evenings and it always seems now, now that, you know, star Wars is owned by Disney, which also owns ABC and ESPN Monday night football is the home of all new things. Star Wars, apparently, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, but it works out for us because anytime something big and new, like a new trailer or a sneak peek hits on a Monday night football game, we get to talk about it the very next evening. Yes. It's, uh, makes things very convenient and, uh, helpful for us. So, um, very happy about that because we got a brand new look, ladies and gentlemen, in case you hadn't noticed, um, at the Mandalorian coming in just 10 days from the day we're recording. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, excited to to see the show, obviously, but we got a nice little uh, what they call special look instead of, I'm not sure why they didn't call it just trailer two, but where it's a special look at uh, season two of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's quick. It's, it's barely a minute. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everybody was talking about, you know, that like the online discourse was like, Oh, so excited for the new Mandalorian trailer. But no, not once did Lucasfilm or Disney or anybody ever actually say that we were getting a trailer. They just said special sneak peek. And that's really what it was. I honestly thought we were gonna get some sort of like behind the scenes thing. Like, remember how we got those for rogue one. We got it for, um, last Jedi. Like obviously those all came out of conventions. So, um, Maybe that was why those were a little bit more involved, but you know, they were very clear with the official reports that this is a sneak peek. So I honestly didn't have very high expectations for anything huge. And once again, it was nothing more than a tease. Um, it gave away nothing. It didn't really reveal anything new on top of the trailer we got a few weeks ago. Um, but I'll tell you what, Jason, it got me just even more excited for 10 days from now. That's all I can say. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been really good and and I'm very excited to see, uh, you know, to talk about what we got, but then also just to see what we haven't seen yet uh, in these these trailers and sneak peeks in the show itself. So, yeah, it's definitely getting me excited for for ten days from now. I know, I know <laughs> it, I can, and I can't wait to do. I'm going to do a season one rewatch between now and then, just to just so it's all fresh in my mind. Um, but what what was there anything in anything big that stood out to you though in this? in this sneak peek that we got just the other night? Um, I mean, it looks like something big is happening, uh, because we've got, uh, 
the Mandalorian. We got Din going back and getting uh, Cara Dune and um, Grief Karga. And it looks like something important is going down. Like, you know, the, the, there's some sort of desperation. Um, and I don't know what it's all about. Maybe, you know, I'm wondering... Uh, and I'm probably not the first to wonder this. If at some point the the child does get taken mm. from him, so uh, there's definitely some intense stuff. But there's also you know shot at the beginning um, that's a continuation of their their walk up scene that we got in the other trailer, uh, where he's standing at the foot of the razor crest holding the child and talking to them. So I, I don't know. I don't know how that all works together. If they, they leave him with somebody, um, which is possible because if we, you know, there's the, the troop transport chase that's going on at the end. And if you look closely, you see grief Karga and Cara Dune, you know, driving the thing at full tilt. And, um, this alien pokes his head up in between them. And he looks like the guy, uh, that, he that Mandalorian captured at the beginning of the first episode. Yeah. At least the same species. Yeah. So I think it's the same character for sure. I would not be surprised if it is. Yeah. So what's that all about? And is he the one that got stuck with babysitting duty for a minute? Um, who knows? So, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, it just looks like it's taking the excitement from where we left off and trying to kick it up a notch. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it. What got me extra excited about this is the the main voiceover that kind of um, is spoken over the beginning of the sneak peek is you know Mandalorian saying, you know, I've been quested. I love that he used the word quested. It just it makes it feel so mythical and, and epic. I've been quested to you know find this child's people and bring them back. Um, obviously I did not get that line verbatim, but I know I got quested, right? Cause that really stuck out to me. And yeah, again, it just, it sets up for me. And, and I think this was even set up obviously in the, the, the official trailer for the season, but season two is very much about Mandalorian finding his purpose as this child's caregiver. Um, and he's going to find a deeper sense of purpose through this journey he takes trying to bring the child back to its people, whether again, whether it's its spe- his species or the Jedi in general. Um, you know, I think we'll have to wait and find out, but I just love that this, this quest that the, that the Mandalorian is on is not going to just be a simple external quest. It's, I, I really feel like this is going to delve into who he is in his, in his character. Um, and right. Season one begins with him just being a bounty hunter and, um, you know, al- aligned with a specific, a, spetic- a particular sect of Mandalorians who are in hiding. Um, but he doesn't really have like a strong purpose. But you know, he gets that in in season one by finding the child and deciding to take him under his wing. At the end of the season, he be- they become a clan of two. So I just I I can't wait to see how this deeper sense of purpose really fleshes out who Din Djarin is and who he's going to be moving forward into into a into a third season. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure because it, it is definitely we we didn't get a lot about uh about Din last season. We we got a little bit in, you know, flashbacks about 
you know, from the Clone Wars and things like that, that sort of fleshed out the whole, um, now my brain is just emptying. Backstory? Uh, the backstory, but, um, foundling, that's the word I was looking for. Mm. The whole foundling aspect of his character. Uh, and, um, so that was, that was nice, but we really haven't gotten much to fill in like where he fits with all of this. We, you know, in the larger scheme of things, you know, how, how he's been interacting with the empire, uh, other than just this instance, you know, or, or whatever, you know, the rest of the Mandalorian clans out there. Um, and it looks like he's in search of other Mandalorians to try and get information to help out with this child. So, yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm curious to see what that means. I'm curious to see if that means that Boba Fett is actually going to be making an appearance in this show, uh, which I could take or leave, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But I know there are some people out there that would really love that um, yeah. if that were the case. Yeah. Well, I, I, that was another thing I was going to bring up is right. Cause he also talks. Also, by the way, I feel like it's a total misdirect when, when we see him coming down on the ship on, um, oh my gosh, why am I blanking on, uh, the name of the planet that grief cargo and Cardoon are on. I know I, it's um, blanking on me too. Um, that one anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'll- but when he comes there, that's when that voice or I've been quested with, like they know he's been quested. They were with him when the armor gave him that quest. So I feel like that's a misdirect. He's not, I don't think he's saying that to them. Um, no. he's there for a different reason. Um, but I love, you know, again, the other voiceover we hear from him is, is, you know, I, I if I can find some other Mandalorians, they can help guide me. You know, so mm-hmm. again, like this, this, this internal quest of understanding for himself what it means to be a Mandalorian, I feel like we are going to see him potentially meet other Mandalorians, whether that's someone like Boba Fett or even Bo Katan, right? Who's Navarro. been rumored, uh, say Navarro? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, you're fine. Thanks for people were shouting it. We finally heard you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think this is going to be a great question that he's going to have to, to uh, kind of grapple with when he meets these other types of Mandalorians, potentially. Again, like whether that's Boba Fett, Bo-Katan, whoever, um, you know, he's part of a very particular type of Mandalorian, as are they. So it'll be really neat to see how yeah. he reconciles his understanding of himself compared to these different understandings of what it means to be a Mandalorian. Um, right. And like, I just, I love that message, that message of how you can understand yourself to be something, but someone else can understand themselves that way, but in a totally different way. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we see that reflected so, so much in our real world. Like you can say, I'm a Democrat and that can mean one thing for you. If you live in New York, that can mean a different thing for you. If you live in Florida, right. Like, or whatever, right. Like you fill in the blank with what there it is, but right. How you choose to identify. I'm a Star Wars fan. Means can- so many different things. <laughs> great yes, point. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, gosh, great point, Jason. Yeah. So, right. Like, I love this this aspect that that Dindajaran is going to have to really, you know, understand for himself what does it mean for me to be a Mandalorian, and how do I reconcile that with the the potential reality that there are others that say, no, 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 no this is how you be a Mandalorian. Um. So I'm excited to see how that all plays out. Yeah, definitely. Now that there's, you know, that's, and especially now that he has been dubbed a clan of two, 
how is he going to define what that is in relation to these others? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, he's no longer part of the clan that the armorer and Pax Vizla, Pax, Paz, Paz Vizla, uh, were, were part of. He's not part of that clan anymore. She is, you know, sent him off as a clan of two with the child. And now he has to really kind of define what that is, who that, you know, that is, you know, in relation to the rest of these Mandalorians that he might be finding himself running across. So that's, that's going to be very interesting uh, to see because there's going to probably be some that are a lot more rigid than, uh, than he is. And some that are probably going to be a lot less uh, willing to, stay within the bounds of morality as well. So he's probably, my guess is he's probably going to hit every end of the spectrum with various Mandalorian groups. And it's going to have to find a way to navigate all of that. Um, you know, yeah. With this child. Yeah. While keeping the child safe right. and keeping people from getting too nosy and trying to take the child for whatever reward is out there. Sure. For sure. Um, yeah. You know, uh, the the opening of this is so good, right? With the the, the Razor Crest um, essentially crashing on that ice planet, we see it flying. Yeah. We see it kind of bomb and skid across the ice. Again, I feel like it's a misdirect. The way it starts with like this warning call to the Razor Crest, and then we see the X wings. I don't think again. I f- still feel like from the first trailer that they're flying in formation. They're following Din Djarin. So again, I feel like that's a misdirect. I could be wrong, um, but I, mean, I will. I will just say. Um, on the special look video on YouTube, um, if you turn on the cla- closed closed captioning, uh, it does say "X-wing pilot Razor Crest stand down." So that's the that's who's yelling at him over oh, okay. the the cop. Okay. Uh, so at least that's what they're titling it. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, uh, which is interesting because I was like, well. That voice could be an imperial voice uh, when I yeah. before I turned on the closed captioning. So I don't know, um, yeah. but still, Razor Crest stand down from the X wing pilot could be used in numerous different contexts. For so sure. yeah, who knows? It doesn't really it still doesn't tell us that much. Um, but I just wanted to put that out there for everybody. Yeah. Um, but the thing I think is interesting about it crashing. It seems to like it crashes on Ilum because then we see him working on it um, mm-hmm. down in that icy gorge and it's snowing and you see him with his, his torch working on it, which immediately just melted my heart because I just immediately thought of when he last time he got to do that was with Quill, R.I.P. Quill, forever oh. in our hearts, right? Um, and but, it you know, while he's there, it just again, thematically what it made me think of is his mode of transportation, his way of getting around in the galaxy is stuck in this cold, frozen place. So in a way, it's kind of like literally causing him to be grounded and have to slow things down a bit and and figure things out at a slower pace. Um, yeah. So I love, again, just thematically what that can mean for his character and, and, and his personal quest as he you know, he's obviously on his way somewhere and he crashes and now he's going to have to figure things out. And, and, and I love that it's a frozen planet because it's kind of freezing up his forward trajectory, if you will. Yeah. So no, that's a, it's a good point, but yeah. Yeah. Very, very interested to see what this all is going to turn out to be. Same here. 
Um, just really quick, the last thing I want to say about it is I do just I love the the shots of what I'm calling the Mandalorian's big three, which is obviously Mandalorian, Cara Dune, and, and Grief Karga. But you see them, you know, the doors open, they're all there, battle stance ready to go. But also you see them stalking through the hallway somewhere, and mm-hmm. all the, again that just like to me it just it, it it captures that sense of Star Wars adventure. Like the three of them are on a mission together. They're in my mind, they're infiltrating some sort of imperial stronghold. And like you were saying earlier, my guess is that the child has been abducted or something and they're on their way to, because tr- he's not, the child's clearly not with them in this moment. Um, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's been abducted, but in my mind, they're infiltrating somewhere together. They're doing this as a, as a team, which is what Star Wars is all about is working together. And mm-hmm. again, and I, I think I mentioned this last time we talked about the the long trailer, but um, John Favreau has said in, in several interviews that he kind of viewed season one as the a new hope story. So it was the, the origin story. And he's he wrote season two kind of thinking with Empire Strikes Back in his mind again, like that that middle chapter where characters are really delved into. But it just again, like obviously John Favreau specifically um, Dave Filoni is clearly a, a, a fan of all star Wars. No question. He's a defender of it all, but John Favreau is still very much a, a, a product of the, the original saga. Um, so I just, I could, I feel like I could see John Favreau possibly giving us a big cliffhanger at the end of season two, just like empire strikes back left audiences with back in 1980. So maybe what? season two ends with the child abducted. And we have to wait another year to find out what the heck happens. Oh, and God, and like, I just, I feel like as, as Star Wars fans today, that's the, that's the closest we're ever going to get today to feeling that anxiety that folks probably felt back in 1980. Again, yeah. like, cause everything gets resolved in very timely fashions in, in storytelling today. But imagine just, imagine just having to wait a year, just a simple year to find out what happens. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I feel like that's the closest John Favreau could give modern star Wars fans to that 1980 feeling. I mean, it's, that is true. That is very true. And if he does leave us on that cliffhanger, Oh, I will, I will be so happy with what they gave us probably, but God, that's the worst. Yes. That is the worst. (laughs) I know as much as like, pardon me, kind of wants it. There's a huge part of me that does not want that. (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I'm probably speaking for so many Star Wars fans when I say in season three, when the Mandalorian is making his way to the Razor Crest after he's dropped the child off at the clients, you're like, oh my God, no, don't, please don't leave him. Oh my God, no, please don't leave him. Um, and then he goes back. And the same thing in, in chapter six, when he gets thrown in the prison cell and then the other folks are about to go back to the Razor Crest, you're like, but what about the child? Are they going to, oh my God, they're going to leave with the child. Oh no. Like that, that sense of anxiety. Imagine holding that for a year. Oh, <laughs> Maybe no. John Favreau will undo that because of the stress we all continue to live under with the pandemic. So, <laughs> oh <I don't know. laughs> um, God, that would be murder if he did that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I could see it happening. You know, I don't, <laughs> I'm 50, 50 on if I want this to happen. Actually, Same I'm here. probably more 70, 30 on don't do it, but it, <laughs> be cool um but god i could see him doing it though yeah yeah oh oh my goodness so that was a great sneak peek and again like like we said jason i just i can't wait 10 days 10 more days we can finally get this this second start second second season started i'm so excited oh my goodness all right 
Well, changing from one really fun discussion of the new season Mandalorian, I'm so excited to talk about some of our favorite uh, ancillary Star Wars projects. Um, Cause there's so, yeah. there's so many great things, you know, from books to video games to all sorts of different creations of retellings or deeper tellings of the movies. And that's essentially what we're kind of looking at is, is things that have been done to kind of enrich our experience of the movies in general. Um, but before we dive into those, Jason, I, we were going to share a few more of our uh, very kind Larry and uh, w- well wishes. Um, so do you want to kick us off? Absolutely. Um, first one we're going to read here is from Steve Ramsden. He says, wow, 400. Congratulations, guys. An awesome achievement. Hmm. What do I love about the Wampa's Lair? Easy answer is everything. You are two incredible people who share your love of all things Star Wars with the world. The one thing I particularly like is your positivity. There's far too much negativity in fandom, and you're the polar opposite of this. And boy, in 2020, do we need some light and positive thoughts. Yes, we do, Steve. Um, yeah, Star Wars isn't always perfect, but it's something I will always love and want to learn more about. You guys provide insights and knowledge every episode, and it's always an absolute pleasure to listen to. As long as you continue to podcast, I will continue to listen. Thank you for the hard work and long hours you put into the Wampus Lair. Steve from the UK. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> really, really appreciate that. Um, our, our next one comes from uh, a good friend of the show, Jeff Fishbach. Jeff is always so kind and, and lovely about retweeting pretty much everything we put out there and doing a lot to, to share her. Share his love for the Wampas Lair. And Jeff says, what do I love about the Wampas Lair? Well, everything. I love the discussions <laughs> you two have. Very interested, very interesting and informative every time. I love that you guys don't do the news thing. I have other Star Wars pods that I listen to for that. That's what inspired me to pick different topics for my podcasts. Yes, I still talk about the news every now and then when there's something to talk about, but I don't spend a lot of time on it. I love the polls and matchups every week the radio dramas, and most of all, you guys. I love you guys. The way you two get along and have fun talking about Star Wars makes me feel like I'm there in the room with my friends talking Star Wars. You guys have inspired me to do my own Star Wars podcast, and I did it. For a shy person, that was a big deal, but I wanted to get my opinions out there as well. I'm only 67 episodes in and only a year and a half into the Blue Milk Cafe, but I hope I can continue mine as long as you guys. But it's kind of hard when you were the only person on your podcast, but I'm getting very used to talking to myself every week. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with that, Jeff, Uh, talking to yourself. I mean, I do it all the time, but I'm used to it. But I've got voices in my head I talk to, so it's not like I'm actually talking to myself. Yes. Um. (laughs) Yes. That just makes me feel so great that uh, Jeff was inspired enough to to start his own show because – to be frank, Jason, that's kind of where ours came from, too, is you and I were both uh, big fans of the Sarlacc Pit podcast all those years ago. And that's how you and I even met was through their show. And we loved what they did and kind of just did our own rendition of that and, you know, have just been doing it ever since. So it, I think that's what's so great about the Star Wars fan community is, is that we all inspire each other um, yeah. in, in so many ways. And there's so many Star Wars podcasts that inspire me um, and push me to make a better show. So I... I really warms my heart to know that we've done that for someone else. Yeah. And thank you again, Jeff. That was some, it was very, very nice. Uh, last one we're going to do for right now. Uh, we've got one from William Finley. 
Whenever I feel a little down and cynical about the world in which we live, I listen to your guys' podcast and appreciate the pure love you two have for the franchise. While you both share your criticisms about Star Wars when you have them, it's never mean-spirited. If anything, it gives you the opportunity to re-examine the franchise from another point of view. See what I did there? Yes, yes we did. Uh, and possibly change your opinion later on down the road, like cer- like a certain someone's opinion on Jar Jar, for example. <laughs> someone's been listening for a while. Um, <laughs> your show has brought us all a great many hours of joy and entertainment, as well as a deeper understanding of the saga and lore. Due to your endless pondering of themes, motivations, and behind-the-scenes trivia, one of the best podcasts available. Keep up the great work, you two. That's William Finley. So thank you, William, very much. So, yes, indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's get back into our ancillary materials, Jason. Yes. And I yes, know indeed. we certainly share one and I want to talk about that one first because it's kind of a big one. And Jeff even alluded to it in, in his, in his message. Um, it's something we've got going on right now. National Public Radio brought together three of the stars of one of Hollywood's top-grossing films to recreate their roles for radio. Billy D. Williams is back as Lando Calrissian, Anthony Daniels is the inimitable CP3O, and Mark Hamill returns as Luke Skywalker. What different techniques are you using as an actor to do this for radio? Well, so much more of it has to be indicated. You know, if I put on a jacket in the movie, I put on a jacket. Here it's a little, can I just get this jacket on? Yeah button up it's just it's uh taking stage with your voice really uh filling it in we talk to ourselves a lot more in the radio adaptation gee i wonder where han and chewie went there's no one there but two stormtroopers and i mean it's like that you know it's the old bob newhart phone call what's that you say mrs fetterman you say r2d2 just charged up the generator (laughs) mark hamill is such a riot (laughs) He really is, and he loves what he's doing. <laughs> oh, he, he sure does. Um, but, you know, you and I both share a deep love for the radio dramas that um, yeah. were originally broadcast on NPR uh, back in uh, 95, um, I think was when A New Hope came out. No, no, sorry. I'm No, that's totally wrong. It came out in um, 80, 81. Sorry, 81. Yeah. 1981. Um, it was much later that Return of the Jedi came out. But anyway, the radio yeah. dramas are phenomenal. I love the way that Mark Hamill talks about how different they are, right? The, the, the fact that you have to narrate your stage directions. You have to narrate the action. And I know – and again, yeah. I, I, I don't want to dive too much into this because, again, in a few weeks we're going to do a whole episode about the, the first radio drama. But right. like he kind of insinuates though, you know, you – especially A New Hope. It's a 13-episode story with you know half hour episodes i mean that's a lot more story than you're getting on the screen and yes. there's not nearly as much dialogue on screen so you really do get to delve a lot deeper into into different aspects of the characters relationships and i think that's what i love the most about the radio dramas is they they just really expound upon so much that was in um on the screens but they just they flesh it out so much more yeah no they really do and it uh, it, it takes what we were given, builds on it, and then uh, puts its own spin. Um, it's not trying to replicate the movies exactly, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, it, it's telling its own version of the Star Wars story, uh, which hits you know many of the same points and beats, but 
it takes some little deviations, add you know, fleshes some things out, um, adds scenes that weren't in the movie, particularly to the beginning. Um, I mean, it takes us about almost like three episodes before we actually get to the beginning of the movie uh, with the radio drama, yeah. uh, with at least a new hope. Um, and they, I think the first episode for uh, the empire strikes back is also pre movie. Um, so at least most of it is they've got the, um, the ambush. So yeah. Yeah. yeah and there, there's a lot of stuff like that in there and it, it really kind of helps flush things out and it makes you care about the new actors because aside from, you know, Mark Hamill um, and Anthony Daniels and uh, Billy D. Williams, uh, at least in most of these, um, everyone else is new. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Mark Hamill was replaced in the Return of the Jedi one as well. Uh, but um, I don't no. think he was available. I don't know if he was replaced. Yeah, he chose not to. <laughs> available or, or yeah. something. But, yeah. um, you know, there, there's all that that goes into this. But you, you really care for the characters despite the fact that it's somebody new playing it um in many cases so uh that's that's always nice to see as well yeah yeah um uh, every single one of the radio dramas starts with actions that take place before the movies so like you said a new hope has three full episodes that take place before a new hope starts i mean you get luke on tatooine which I love because it really does a better job of flushing out the loneliness Luke is living with um, and how much he he's looking for adventure. Uh, like you said, with Empire, it starts with the, this ambush in uh, of the of a small rebel fleet that's bringing supplies to Hoth. And Return of the Jedi begins with um, Luke building his lightsaber. Um, so they all, like you said, they all just add so much more. And I always remember what always gives me a chuckle when I listen to the radio dramas is how sometimes they actually uh, try to make sense of things that weren't uh, addressed in the movie. And for example, what I mean by that is when Han leaves on the Tauntaun to go looking for Luke at Hoth, Mm -hmm. 3PO is talking to Chewbacca and he says, well, Chewie, you certainly can't ride a Tauntaun because right. Like maybe people in 1980 were like, why didn't Chewie just hop on a Tauntaun and go out after him? Well, they address that in the radio drama, right? So they do things like that in the radio drama that just, you know, any possible angle, because you have all this extra time for dialogue and storytelling, they really mm-hmm. flesh things out. Um, and yeah. like you said, the the voice actors they got are phenomenal. So Perry King, I love Perry King, who does Han Solo. And he actually was up for the role of Han Solo in the movies. <laughs> um, obviously, he didn't get it. Harrison Ford got it. And Sachs is Princess Leia, just as much to me as Carrie Fisher was. She She plays the role of Leia, especially in A New Hope so beautifully and so powerfully um yeah it's it's just incredible um i mean also like you know like we're alluding to in a new hope you get a very different story than rogue one of how they got the death star plans it's it's not as fleshed out as the rogue one story but it's a very different story of where the plans came from and how they capture them um so you get a different story in the radio dramas and it's just it's really cool that they're they really just put a lot more flesh on the skeleton if you will um, right. Yeah. Without ever damaging the integrity of the story. If like, like we said, it just, it flushes it out so much more. Um, and you get a lot of great extra little story beats, um, that I just <laughs> really love. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really great. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're not going to talk too much about it right now because we're going to have a whole episode 
all about this, uh, you know, in the near future. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's such a great, great expansion on what we've got. Um, and particularly, of course, the, the, the cream of the crop when it comes to Star Wars radio dramas is the A New Hope radio drama. Um, and to some extent, I might even, you know, we might even include the, the Duel of the Fates podcast audio drama yeah. uh, in this category as well, just to throw that out there uh, for anybody who hasn't listened to it. Um, so I still so badly want uh, prequel radio dramas. I just I want them so desperately bad. Um, mm-hmm. And if anybody out there is working on that project, please let me know. <laughs> I would love to be a part of it. Please, I'm raising my hand. I'm begging yeah. you. I will I will do the battle droids. I will just be like extra characters if you need it. But I would love to be a part of it, please. I, I still <sighs> think that'd be something the, the Clone Wars cast would be phenomenal at. And I think they would do it oh. in a heartbeat, you know? Yes. <sighs> yeah. It'd be so good. It'd be so, so good. Um, but again, you got to credit a lot of the the success of the radio dramas. I think a lot of the credit goes to Brian Daly, who wrote them, all three of them. Yeah. And then, yeah. obviously, he died during post-production for Return of the Jedi. He died of cancer. Um, but Brian Daly really, really just understood the feel and the flavor of those original stories and and gave them this beautiful dramatization. Um, you know, it, it, they're just so fun. Um yeah, so yeah. for me, this is this is my favorite ancillary piece of Star Wars. No, it's it's very good. It's very very good. So it's hard for me to rank these because they all they provide such you know the ones yeah. I've got here provide like yeah, a different yeah. take on things um, for the ancillary material. So it's hard for me to rank it. But yeah, this is definitely definitely up there. Yeah. Um. Well, before we before we share some more of ours. Uh, let's go back to a few more messages from folks um, who had some, again, very kind things to say. Um, Matt Matt Howard wrote in and says, The Wambuzler podcast holds a special spot in my heart because I started listening in 2017 when my first son was born. When I would be up multiple times a night for several hours with him, I would alternate between listening to old episodes of Wampuzler and finally getting around to watching all the seasons of The Sopranos. Side note, I've been doing that with my partner as we speak. So I love this. Um, He continues, to this day, the Wampus Lair is my go-to podcast for daily runs, commutes to my job, and all things yard work related. While I don't always agree with your opinions about the films, I value how the Wampus Lair has been a model podcast for how to have respectful discussions with others that may have different opinions than you. Keep up the awesome work, guys. That is is very kind of you, Matt, because it has been an explicit goal for Carl and I is to be able to have discussions and have disagreements in a respectful, uh, honest way. That's not shouting the other person down for disagreeing. Um, so that is something we have worked very, very hard on, on doing and we're not perfect at it. Nobody is, but, um, you know, so thank you for, for saying that because it is something we have, it's explicitly talked about over the years as to how we wanted to operate this podcast. So thank you for recognizing that because that means a lot to us. So, yeah. and I also think it says a lot about you, Matt, as a, as a listener that 
you can listen to a show that doesn't always say things you agree with, but continue to listen. So, you know, I think we also live in a world now where somebody says something on something we don't like and we're like, oh, I'm never listening again. <laughs> it's just, which is fine. You certainly have that right and, and that, you know, that choice to make. But I also think it says a lot about you as listeners. If you, you know, it, I'd be shocked if the folks listening to us agree with everything we say. I'm sure they don't. I don't agree with everything folks say on podcasts I listen to either. Um, but I love yeah. getting that more well-rounded um, perspective on things. So, so I appreciate Matt, not only for recognizing we do that, but also for recognizing that there's value in listening to things that you don't always agree with. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely a really good point. Um, <laughs> I, I was reading all of the, the responses earlier today when I was preparing for all this effort to record today. And I, I had to stop and, and send Carl a message because like, we really do have the best listeners out there because, uh, you guys said such wonderful things that I was getting choked up earlier. So I think breaking them up on the show is really going to help me not have that happen today uh, on the episode. <laughs> so, um, but I just want to, you know, point that out because you guys, you guys have been very kind uh, in helping us celebrate this milestone. Um, and, and Matt, you're definitely, you know, one of them. So thank you. Thank you for all that. Um, next one we've got is from uh, Rafaela. Uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, and what they say is, uh, what I love about your podcast is the unique way you guys can discuss some aspects of Star Wars. I love all the enthusiasm and positivity in every episode. The music analysis is also a huge win for me. I used to not pay the proper attention to this, but after podcasts like yours, What the Force, and the Soundtrack Show, now this is something I'm always trying to learn more. Congratulations on such a huge milestone, and thank you for all your hard work making this podcast happen. I also have to thank Katie for her time on the show. I really miss her talking about Star Wars and Maul. We miss her too, everybody. <laughs> um, so, uh, and thank you, Rafaela, for putting us in the same sentence as the soundtrack show as well. So, um, but <laughs> yeah, I, obviously you and I have a deep love of Star Wars music. So any chance we mm. can get to talk about it is is a blast. And 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 I have to agree with her that Katie was – while it was only a year, it was, it was a great year to have her on the show. And Katie and I still text every week. Uh, we stay in touch and, uh, I, I just, I adore her and we miss her all the time. Um, so, and I, all I'll say is this is don't expect her to never be on the show again. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, so. and, uh, <laughs> so one more coming from, uh, a, a very good friend of the show who's been on a few times himself. Good old Jim Urso says, um, I wanted to send in my brief thoughts for your 400th episode. There's so many things I could mention, but what I find so great about the Wampus Lair is you both have different loves of Star Wars, and you also have people guest on the show who love other things about the franchise as well. Given the variety of what you discuss, you cater to all audiences of Star Wars, and because of that, it helps fans feel accepted, understood, and that their love of certain things in this franchise is valid. Your hard work is greatly appreciated by many of us listeners, so congrats on the huge milestone with your podcast. As always, looking forward to what you guys come up with in the future. Well, part of why we have guests on that talk about things that we are not, uh, you know, very well, uh, uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? No, knowledgeable of? <laughs> yeah, knowledgeable of. Yeah, thank you. Um, 
you know, is because we want to learn about it. So, <laughs> you know, we want to go, hey, I don't know much about that topic, but you do. You really like mall. You really like, you know, gin. Um, so why don't you come on and tell us why so that we can learn why they're great, uh, too. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Um, yeah. Well, and I think Jim, you know, who has so wholeheartedly and whole, whole, his whole self has kind of just become the, the Star Wars fans epitome of Jin Erso. Um, you know, cosplaying as her and making all these beautiful cosplay costumes for her. Um, I, I think Jim has a very powerful experience in Star Wars and the fact that um, we can help give a space for that is, is kind of what it's all about. Because uh, we all have our very specific loves of Star Wars. There are things mm-hmm. in Star Wars we all have a, a particularly strong affection for. And... Um, Certainly, our hope is to always make sure we're validating everyone's experience. Well, and you know, and we've said it before, and we'll say it again because this is a you know a piece of fiction, and everyone's favorite is subjective. So you know, <laughs> when it comes to things like Star Wars, there really isn't a wrong answer, you know, as to why you like something or what your favorite part is. So. Um, we, and if, even if we don't understand it, don't know why that makes sense to you, we want to know why it makes sense to you, why you enjoy it. And, and, you know, we want to validate the fact that, yeah, people like that stuff. Right. It's not for me. You know, I, I will sit here and say, I think Boba Fett is the most overrated character in all of Star Wars, but I know, I know there are a lot of people who vehemently disagree with me and think he's the greatest thing in, in Star Wars. Um, and that's fine. I love that. You know, I love that there is that, that variation out there. Um, so, but yeah, thank you, Jim. And, and it's been really fun to sort of have sort of a, a ringside seat f- to see how Jim's Star Wars fandom journey has gone uh, since Rogue One came out. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> since he's been such yeah. a good friend of the show, it's been really fun to sort of sit and, and watch how, how he's sort of, you know, journeyed along this this path uh, as now Jim Urso in in a sense. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, Jason, I'm going to share another ancillary material here. Piece sounds, and, sounds and like I a plan. Want to hear one from you? Um, All right. But my next one is something I've talked about a lot over the many years on the podcast. And by the way, we've still never done a whole episode about this, which is something I'd love to come back and do at some point. But it's okay. the Revenge of the Sith novel. And the Revenge of the Sith novel is a very different type of Star Wars novelization. Instead of simply translating the film into prose, I decided to try and make a companion piece to the film. So I deliberately sort of downplayed the physical details and the narrative in favor of the, the I should say the external narrative in favor of the internal narrative and tried to focus on the characters' emotions, their psychology, their motivations, and literally how it feels to be a Jedi, how it feels to be Anakin Skywalker, faced with the, the extreme moral pressure, the choices that he's faced with, how it feels to be Obi-Wan Kenobi, helplessly watching his best friend 
teeter on the cliff of, of the dark side. Matthew. And that was from Matthew Stover, the author of the Revenge of the Sith novel. Um, you know, and what I love that he's, what he highlights in this interview here, which by the way, if any of you are, are fans of the show friends, he's being interviewed by the actor that plays Gunther, which really gave me a huge kick. Cause I, I love Gunther from central Park. So, um, but anyway, uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel is not only is it my favorite Star Wars book, it's my favorite novel, period. Like, I love this novel. And Revenge of the Sith is not even towards the top of my favorite Star Wars movies. Again, I'm not saying I don't like Revenge of the Sith, but it's not one of my favorite of the movies. But this novel is so, so beautiful. And I think it's because of those choices that Matthew Stover chose to make by telling this interior story more so than the external story and I actually really appreciate it. I love how he calls it in a, you know, a companion piece to me. That's, mm-hmm. I wish more of the novels had done that because it's like, yeah. we've seen the movie. You don't need to tell me what I just saw on the screen. Um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not trying to belittle what the other books have done. Um, cause to be fair, I think all three of the prequel novelizations are phenomenal. I think last Jedi's was really good as well. Force awakens. Not at all. <laughs> Rise of Skywalker was all right, <laughs> but, um, the original novels are they're They're just there. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're fine. I, I mean, these, obviously that's my opinion. Um, but, uh, yeah. but I say that I've read the revenge of the Sith novel. It, Almost every year since it's come out, there's been a couple of years where I don't, um, I think maybe the longest stretch was a three year period where I didn't read it at all, but pretty much every year I read this novel, um, which to me just says a lot. I don't do that with most books. Um, but I love it because he makes the character so relatable, specifically the character of Anakin. I, um, you know, to me, the forever biggest flaw of the prequels is I don't think that on screen, Anakin is a very sympathetic character. Um, maybe in a new, maybe in Phantom Menace, but even attack, like attack of the clones, revenge of the Sith. There's, there's nothing, at least for me on screen that really thinks like, Oh my gosh, I feel so bad for this guy who's falling apart. Um, like I know I'm supposed to, but I don't really get that visceral response. But when I read the character of Anakin and what he's dealing with in the novel, it breaks my heart for him. And Matthew Stover has these beautiful interludes in between each section of the book where he, he uses this poetry and he's always describing the darkness. The darkness always wins because this, this, and this. And then the novel ends by saying, but the smallest flame can hold the darkness at bay. Love is stronger than any candle. Love can ignite the stars. And that's how he ends the novel. Like it's, it's a poem. It's beautiful. And ultimately he, you, you get to feel what Anakin is wrestling with, his fear of losing Padme. There's this inner demon inside of him that tells him everything in life will die, everything will fall apart, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. Anakin is this haunted character in the novel, and it's, it's so heartbreaking. Padme gets so, so well fleshed out in the novel. We really get to see her plotting to build this rebellion with Mon Mothma and Bail Organa. Um, yes, they shot some of those scenes for deleted scenes, but it's even better in the book. Like you, Padme makes choices to go against Anakin in secret. Um, there's a three-way love triangle that's introduced in the novel where Palpatine tries to convince Anakin that there might be something going on between Obi-Wan and Padme. So it really makes the disdain Anakin feels for Obi-Wan so much better. Um, yeah. That was, uh, I think, that's from, filmed. 
I don't uh, from the script. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that it was filmed. I know that it was in one of the early drafts of the script. George did originally have that planned for for one of the early earlier drafts, is playing up this kind of love triangle, which I think would have been really smart. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So like it, that's me just throwing out some examples. There's so many more I could say, but again, I I think it's because you get to be in the character's skin in that book. He really does a good job of placing you in the story. Um, that you know. Ever in a weird way, Jason, that's why I've come to love the balcony scene in Revenge of the Sith at the beginning is because that's a moment where it's really two characters who are talking about their love and their relationship. And I feel like that was something that was really fleshed out by the novel. And even though it's a bit cheesy and campy on screen, it works so well because of what I learn about these characters in the novel. Mm-hmm. No, and it's it's really great. Um uh, I will I will just mention that um former host of the um oh my gosh my brain is just not connecting today well um never mind <laughs> everything just stopped I'm so sorry everyone <laughs> maybe we should just go to your next ancillary work no 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 uh, I'll say something um but this is this is a really great story it's a really great book because you're right it, it is it does act as a companion piece and i and you're totally uh I'm, I'm totally with you in response to the idea that i i would love to have the rest of the novels like this um and i love the fact that you that he said in the interview that you played at the, the clip interview that you played um that he's doing the internal story because the movie is so external it's so action packed and full of, you know, explosions and lightsabers and laser blasts and everything like that. It is wall to wall action for the most part, except for some parts in the middle. Um, that actually getting into the, the character mindsets during those action beats, um, is where the novel really services the story. Um, it takes what is being implied on screen if you look hard enough. And really fleshes it out and puts it center stage, um, which is is fantastic. And I like like you. I wish this was the way the rest of the novels were. And if it was for the the sequel trilogy novels, I'd be all over those. Like I would. I've not read any of them mm. because I just I don't I, I I don't care so much about novelizations. Because most of them are, are like what we have, you know, they, they add a couple of extra things, you know, they flesh a few things out a little bit, but it's mainly just a retelling of what's on screen, uh, which is fine. And that's what happens with, you know, novelizations of any film or TV property. Um, but the fact that he took a different path with the Re- Revenge of the Sith uh, novelization uh, is a, I have to commend Matthew Stover for, for making that choice. Because it is the best of any novelization I've ever read. Mm. Um, yeah. So it, it's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, and it makes the movie better because if you've read it. Yeah. So I will say real quick to the sequels novels, the, the, the Last Jedi has some great moments that weren't on on film that were that made me like the movie more because they were in the book specifically the moment when Luke connects to the force again for the first time and how he realizes that the will of the force brought Ray to him. Like it's very explicit. Like it's not explicit at all in the movie and I wish it had been, 
Um, and also mm. Leia has a lot of communication with Force Ghost Luke in Rise of Skywalker's novel. Again, that's not there in the movie because you couldn't. Um, but you do get a right. lot of extra stuff about about Leia in the Rise of Skywalker novel that's really good. Um, but again, like I think of Rey in Rise of Skywalker as a, as a very – not that she's not in Last Jedi, but in, in a way that I – Rise of Skywalker, she has a lot of emotional turmoil, like Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. And I was just like, oh, I wish we could just get more in her, more into her psyche during some of these moments. And same with Kylo. I wish we'd gotten more into Kylo's psyche in both of those novels. But again, like yeah. they're they're good. They serve the purpose of a movie novelization. They give you what's there with a little bit of extra. But Rise of, or Revenge of the Sith is just its own beast, and it's great. Yeah, it is. And Revenge of the Sith had a lot of that kind of stuff because my second ancillary material that I want to talk about is the Revenge of the Sith video game. Nice. Oh. Story video game. Yes. Yeah. No, this was epic. Yes, it this was. was. An epic, epic game in 2005. Um, it, you got to play through the whole movie. I think there was some extra, you know, expanded, you know, sections, obviously, for different missions, missions so that you, you know, had a whole video game's worth of, of action to play through. But... Because the movie is so action oriented, you had the ability to do this, you know, and it was a complete story video game. It was the best action graphics to date. Um, I'm pretty sure they had Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor in uh, doing mocap for the game uh, for some of the movements. I'm pretty sure I saw a a behind the scenes uh, featurette on that at one point. or they came in and filmed them f- doing motion so they could replicate it for the game. I don't remember if it was mocap or if they just filmed them, you know, while they were rehearsing the, the, the fight for the movie. Um, but uh, it was so great. And uh, you got to play as the different characters and things like that. But you also had the versus mode too, yes. where you got to fight you know each other you know as these various characters and that was always a lot of fun i spent you know as much time on that side of it as i did the uh the story mode so um i don't have a ton to say about it because i have not played this game in over a decade um but it is still one of the most memorable experiences um i have with revenge of the sith because yeah revenge of this because i played like the first level the week the movie came out before I saw the movie. Mm. So, and I was like, Oh, this is good. This is fun. I, I, I only played like a first, like the first mission or two. So I was still on like the invisible hand. Um, but you know, in that, in that sense, so I didn't get any story beats really spoiled for me, but, uh, I played it with some friends and then later on I played, you know, the rest of it at a friend's house, uh, afterwards. And it was just, it was so much fun and, you know, it was supposed to be the last Star Wars movie we were ever going to get, you know, at the time in 2005. So being able to just relive the story before it came out on, you know, DVD uh, by playing this video game was just amazing. Uh, and then, of course, I got to, you know, try and beat everybody up as Count Dooku um, in the versus mode. So I got pretty decent with him. So um, at least against the friends I was playing against. So uh, <laughs> I wouldn't put myself up on any sort of tournament level, obviously. But at least against the friends I was playing with, I got pretty good with him. Um, so, yeah, no, that was that was just a lot of fun to, to you know, walk through all the various different uh parts of it and um 
they had cutscenes from the movie too. Yep. Not many, but there were a few cutscenes yeah. yeah. in the movie in there to transfer from one mission to the other. So um, that was that was pretty good. They they went all out on that game, and, and you know those those kinds of story games uh, don't really get made much anymore. No, nope. uh, and that was probably the last great one that has been made. So I love opinion. that you brought that up, Jason. That 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 was one of my favorite. It's it's still one of my favorite Star Wars video games. I'm with, I love more Star Wars just story games like that. Um, you know, it, it, like of the movies. Like yes, Jedi Fallen Order is a story game, but I'd love to just like play through the missions of Force Awakens or Rise of Skywalker or even you know, redo stuff from the prequels or heck just re-release them, <laughs> you know, um, just kind of, you know, amp up the graphics a bit and, and put them back on the PlayStation store or something. I'd buy them, but, uh, I'm with you, Jason. I loved the revenge of the Sith game for the same reasons. You know, it was a great story game coupled with a great multiplayer mode. Um, mm-hmm. and it also, you had the alternate ending where you could play as Anakin, you could kill Obi-Wan, and yeah. then the closing cutscene, sorry, spoiler alert, but the emperor comes to tell you you did a great job and then you stab him and kill the emperor. Yeah. And now you're Emperor Anakin. <laughs> um, well, I guess Emperor Vader, but um, yeah. yeah, it's such a fun game. Um, and it was released before the movie. So those clips were awesome because you got to, and I remember they had the clip of Anakin rushing in to save the chancellor right before that part of the game. So you got to see that scene. Same with, I always remember though, they photoshopped um, Padme's body out. So they gave you the clip of Anakin and Obi-Wan talking in a circle there on Mustafar before they start fighting. But they you don't see Padme's body. For whatever reason, they took that out of the video game, which I guess makes sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, that game was just so fun to play. Uh, again, you felt like you were, you were, you were in the action of that story. And, and it had that great multiplayer mode. You got to fight in the chancellor's office was one of the maps. I mean, there were so many good maps. It remi- mm-hmm. I mean, Masters of Terracossi was one of my favorite old Star Wars video games. This was just like that, except even in a way better. So, um, yeah. Oh, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. So, no, it, so good. <laughs> I, I would love, you know, I'd love to get the, you know, just release a Star Wars story game where you play through all the movies, you know, I mean, I know, I guess they do that a little bit with the, the Lego games. Sure. Um, we're going to get uh, a new Lego star Wars game that has all of the movies in it now, yeah. uh, which is going to be fun, but that's, you know, that's Lego and it's meant to be, you know, goofy and silly and all that stuff. And, you know, all the other Lego aspect to it. But if they made just a star Wars story game where you could play through the saga, sign me up. I'd, Buy that in a heartbeat. Same here. <laughs> oh. I would love that. I would love that. Yes. So. Um, well, before we share our last our last ancillary item, um, we have just a couple more uh, uh, notes from from folks who listen um, that we want to read before we before we close out. Um, and this one comes from uh, Alicia. Um, who's Leia, my hero on all of her online platforms. She says, congrats on your ninth anniversary and 400th episode. I enjoy your enthusiasm and positivity for all things. Star Wars listening to your fun conversation always makes me smile. And I must say you are all as nice in person as represented on your podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. That's very kind. Yeah. We, we met her and her husband and her friends uh, at celebration Chicago. 
um, where they had some incredible cosplay going on, uh, like some really awesome cosplay. So yes. thank you for that. And, uh, and I got to, since she was kind enough to write in, I got to shout her out on, on her Instagram and her Twitter, which is just at Leia, my hero. She has been building some awesome, awesome diorama sets as of late. Um, like she yeah. just did one for the Geonosis arena. She's done one for, um, Endor. She's done one for Hoth echo base. She did one, I think for Jabba's palace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and these aren't like sets that you can buy. And so she's building these from scratch and then just populating them with her three and three quarter inch figures. But Jason, they are so beautiful. I love every time. And when she puts them up too, she like kind of films them with, um, music from those scenes playing in the background. Like she's having a great time with it. And I have a great time watching them and looking at them. So, so yeah. if you don't, if, if you don't follow at Leia is Leia is my hero, get on it. These dioramas are awesome. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I will Leia, say, I'm sorry. Leia, my hero, not is my hero. It's at Leia, my hero. Sorry. I want to get that right. Yes. <laughs> I will say uh, one of my favorite touches that she added was there's the the tat- the Moss Espa street yes, scene yes, yes, yes. where where Jar Jar and Sebulba have their interaction and Anakin is running up but she has painted the shadow of Darth Vader behind Anakin up onto the building behind him um, like the poster yes. so. That is one of the best touches I've ever seen in a diorama, and I love it so much. So I wish I had the creativity and the space to be able to create dioramas like that because that is what I would love to do with all my figures, my hundreds of figures that I have. <laughs> I'm going to have to go out and visit her someday and just you know learn how to do this you know, because I need to know yeah. because – I, I need to be able to do this when I have space for it. <laughs> well, I sent her a message and I just said, you know, these are so great. Like, I, I, how do you know how to do this? And she, she sent me a link to a website that um, has some instructions on like kind of how to get started. And I was looking over it. It, it was a great resource, but I was just looking at it. And I'm like, I still just can't do this. Like I just, um, I, today I got myself is, this is sounds very selfish, but I got myself like a 400th episode. Congratulations present. I bought myself the vintage collection carbonite chamber. Jason, like this is something that probably like an eight year old could put together in eight minutes. It took me a half an hour. <laughs> like I just, I can't even build things with instructions. <laughs> like this is just not my forte. So I, I can, I would just love to sit back and, and, and continue to look at all the great things she does and others do. There's so many great things out there like that. So, yeah. Um, do you want to read our last one? Yes, I'll do this last one here from Jeff Langerud. Um, He said, I used to have a job that allowed me to listen to podcasts for eight hours a day. I had many that I listened to. The Wampa's Lair is one of the few that I have regularly kept listening to despite less time. Thanks for all your hard work. Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, yeah, I, I know... <laughs> I know with everyone being, you know, working from home now or, or quarantined or whatever, uh, there's been a lot less podcast listening going on. Uh, and I've, I've, you know, been in the same boat. Um, so thank you, everyone who is still listening to us despite, you know, change in uh, life or circumstances or whatever, you know, with less time that you've got on your hands. So we really do appreciate all that. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. Um. So we each have one more ancillary item left to share. And Jason, mine is similar 
to what you you shared on your last one. Um, it's also a video game. Taking the best elements from Lucasfilm Limited's Star Wars movie, the engaging heroes, the horrific aliens, the terrorizing Imperial forces, the thrilling flying and fighting, the strange settings, and the mystifying powers of the Force, and adding interactivity. Players can choose to be Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, or Chewbacca to do battle with the dark side of the Force and determine the fate of the galaxy. Super Star Wars features 14 levels, each crammed with huge detailed graphics and smooth realistic animation super star wars is a hit from the burning deserts of tantooine the maze-like interior of a sand crawler the moss eisley bar to your final confrontation with the awesome death star all the action from the movie is here but the outcome is up to you do you have what it takes to take on the empire find out with super star wars available now Oh, did you ever get to play the Super Star Wars games, Jason? No, For I Super didn't. Nintendo? So I never owned a Super Nintendo growing up. Um, I, I, I think they did a port for this for the GameCube. Not the GameCube, the, the Game Boy back in the day. I think they and did. Yep. Um, and and you never got past Tatooine. So growing up, again, um, my, my two cousins, Rick and Andrew, got me into Star Wars when I was a kid, when I was like eight and a half, nine years old. And they had, they always had all the new gadgets and, and stuff at home because my uncle loves electronics. Um, so I would always play Super Nintendo at their house. And I loved playing Super Star Wars. I, I Most especially as when I was younger, I played a lot of Super Return of the Jedi. That was my favorite one. Super Empire Strikes Back was literally impossible in my mind. Like no one could beat that game without cheat codes. Um, it was just so darn hard. Um, but the... Uh, Super Star Wars, the original one, was actually repackaged for PS4, and and I got it when I bought my when I first bought my PS4 with the Battlefront package way back in whatever year that was, 2015, I think. Um, they had already preloaded Super Star Wars on it, so I've played that a lot lately too, and that's the only one I've actually ever beaten all the way through. the The Sandcrawler level is very hard, um, but again, it, it reminds me of Chapter Two of The Mandalorian, <laughs> um, him chasing the <laughs> Sandcrawler. But kind of like that cheesy ad kind of points out, and this is true, of, I, I would say, of any Star Wars game, especially these story games like you with Revenge of the Sith, is you feel like you get to play the story. And that was what I yeah. always loved about Return of the Jedi is the thing that will always have a fond place in my heart is is the uh, speeder bike chase. And you get to bump the other speeders into the trees and they explode. And um, and then the following level, getting to play is Wicket. And you can shoot bow, your, your bow and arrow into a tree and it becomes a catapult and you can jump up to the other higher level of the of the trees in bright tree village it's just again it like it puts you in the story in a very fun interactive way um Mm -hmm. and i think um again this isn't speaking of my own childhood experience but i think for probably kids who maybe didn't have siblings to play star wars with or other friends who like star wars a video game was a great way to play star wars if you didn't have someone else to play with because you really get to you know dive into the story and, and and have a have a lot of fun with it so you know, uh, the Super Star Wars games will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, no, the I, I haven't ever had a chance to really play them, but except for the the Game Boy, and like I said, I, I never got off Tatooine. I couldn't figure out how <laughs> to find the you know the right mission or whatever. Um, but uh, you know, if I ever get had the chance or the time, I'd probably go back and play them. So. 
Um, but yeah, I, I, I know people love them. Uh, so I don't have much to add to this, but yeah, uh, yeah it, it is definitely one of those things where it's like, yeah, no, you, you get to play it, you get to interact with it. And um, that's, that's why video games are great. You know, it's because you're, you're in the story, you yeah. know? Yep. So um, but what's your last one? Well, my last one uh, is uh, going to be the Shakespeare Star Wars books Love it. that I've been I've been reading. Um, I'm I'm still you know making my way through them. I haven't quite finished all of them yet. So, uh, but what I do appreciate about these is that it, it it's combining my love of theater with my love of Star Wars, um, and it it's all written in you know iambic pentameter uh, for the most part. There's some characters that aren't. Um, but it does it gives us sort of a a tongue in cheek little bit view of the the move the movies um it takes itself seriously but not seriously at the same time uh because obviously it's you're mashing together Star Wars and Shakespeare and that's just funny um but it takes itself w- within that framework it takes itself seriously enough to give us some really great moments you know there's some hilarious moments like the fact that instead of saying roger roger the battle droids say forsooth forsooth um (laughs) which cracks me up to no end um and then the battle of hoth you've got the walkers are actually characters that have lines and dialogue um so you know during the battle they're they're talking and interacting and dying you know uh so it's kind of funny that way but you also get some of these great um, like soliloquies and monologues and things like that that are uh, taken from the plays of Shakespeare, but tweaked ever so slightly to fit the scene and the character saying them. Um, so you get expanded scenes where, you know, one of the characters will essentially take center stage after something happens uh, and, and expound upon things and give their, their thoughts and feelings about it. Uh, like Luke does after he sees his uh, aunt and uncle burning, you know, at the homestead, like he has this whole soliloquy about, uh, you know, how he wanted to get off this planet, but this is not how he wanted it to happen, uh, how he misses and loves them, but it gives him the freedom to leave Tatooine now. But what's the cost of this freedom? So you know it, he he has that whole monologue about that um, afterwards, and it's just it's great. So it, it not only does it you know have fun with things and kind of give you a little bit of you know t- you know tongue in cheek uh, nods to things, especially with the the drawings. There's some great artwork in these things, you know, with everyone having the ruffled collars. You know, Yoda with a ruffled collar is one of the funniest things in the world. Um, but it, then it also gives you the serious moments. And it fully solidifies the fact to me that the prequels are supposed to be a Shakespeare tragedy Mm. because reading through the prequels um, and the fact that they fit so well in Shakespeare style is a little insane. Um, So (laughs) the, the way that it's formatted and fits the, you know, five, six act structure of a, of a Shakespeare tragedy uh, is just a bit on the nose sometimes. And it's like, that's really perfect how that's all breaks down into the different acts and, uh, you know, the, the thoughts and emotions that the author adds. Ian Dosher is a genius. Um, 
in writing these books because he obviously loves Star Wars enough to, you know, throw little jokes and quips in there. But he's obviously incredibly knowledgeable about Shakespeare in order to make and blend this into something unique, wonderful, and a pure, you know, enjoyment of both subjects. Um, and it, you know, it's something that could introduce people from either side to the other pro- you know, property. So fans of Star Wars will, you know, enjoy it because it's a, a new retelling of Star Wars, much in the same way the radio dramas are. Um, but it tells it in a different way. And sometimes you have to read it out loud just for it to, you know, really kind of make sense because that's, you know, that's how Shakespeare is meant to be in, you know, for those who don't know, Shakespeare is meant to be read out loud. It's meant to be spoken. It's not meant to be read in a classroom, you know, silently by yourself. So if you're ever having trouble understanding what's going on, read it out loud. It'll make more sense. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, but then it also is something where, you know, fans of Shakespeare can go, Oh, we're bringing something old into pop culture. And that's an interesting thing. Um, So I I love these things. And uh, so I'm, I'm working my way through them. And it's really been a, a fun new way to look at Star Wars that I'm really appreciating. So um, it, it's it's terrific. The funny thing is, um, is Yoda's speech is almost too perfect for Shakespeare. Like he speaks backwards a little bit. And so uh, Ian has actually taken a an older form of poetry to write Yoda's dialogue in so that it doesn't it still is a little bit out of step with everyone else, you know? So he's very, very deliberate about how he does things and how he reacts to characters. One of the more interesting things, just one last thing to note is that Jar Jar is uh, sort of recast a little bit as a traditional uh, clown or fool character in Shakespeare in the fact that the clown is just the side that he presents to the other characters on stage. But then he turns to the audience and is this very, you know, intelligent, smart character who's really kind of the only one who knows fully what's going on, or at least has uh, a better, fuller sense of what's going on. And that's, you know, more specifically shown in uh, The Phantom Menace than any of the other uh, books, um, just because of the reduced... Uh, screen time, so to speak, that Jar Jar has. But that's one of the biggest sort of interesting choices that was made in this. Um, so that's things like that um, happen. R2 speaks in beeps and boops in iambic pentameter to the characters on screen, but also has asides in English to the audience. So, hmm. um, <laughs> hmm. so yeah, it's, it's really, it's really quite clever. So, but yeah, that's uh, it's my last ancillary material I'm going to bring up today. That's so that's so cool. I mean, I I've not read any of them. I don't know that I will. I'm not a Shakespeare fan. Um, obviously respect what it is, but I I right like for someone like you who loves stage, loves theater, and and, and really enjoys Shakespeare. You know, this is a what a what a great melding of these two loves and these two worlds. Um, and obviously there are a lot of folks that really enjoy those. So I, it's just so cool that it's even out there as an option. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, well, there you have it. There are our favorite ancillary works of star Wars. Um, and 
I would really encourage any of you listening right now, if, if there are works that we didn't mention or things that you really like that kind of act act as ways of beefing up your love and appreciation of any of the Star Wars movies or stories, please tell us what they are. We'd love to know more, especially if there's things that I've never even heard of. Like, I love when that happens. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely let us know about that. Um, but before we before we start wrapping things up, we have one final um, voice message to play. Um, this comes from longtime listener Jackson and and here his well wishes on our 400th episode. Hey, Carl and Jason Jackson here. Just wanted to tell you guys congratulations on 400 episodes. It's too bad I wasn't able to see you guys at Star Wars Celebration because of COVID. I miss you guys a lot, and I consider you both really good friends. The next time there's a celebration, I'm going to give both of you the biggest hug ever. Anyways, keep up the hard work, and God bless, and here's to 500 more episodes. With 900 episodes, you reach. Look as good you will not. <laughs> <laughs> well, considering it took us nine years to do 400 episodes, by the time we get to nine, 900 episodes, I mean. That'll be another decade at we're least. Talking, yeah, we're talking about, it, yeah, 2030. I hope we're yeah. still doing it by then. That'd be awesome. <laughs> if we're doing it by 20, if we're still doing this in 10 years, 12 years, however long it takes us to get to 900, that would be incredible, especially since we're basically just a weekly podcast. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so I would love that. That would be impressive. That would be impressive if we got that far. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, like I said at the beginning, when we first started this, I had no intention of, you know, have this having an end date, but it just keeps happening. And I keep coming back, you know, week after week to talk Star Wars with Carl and whoever else is is on the podcast. And it just keeps happening and the numbers keep going up. And I I get surprised every time we hit a milestone. So (laughs) maybe we'll hit 900. Right. You know, I mean, I remember that first year when we'd be like episode 40 and we're like, wow, we've done 40. And now it's like 10 times that. Um, yeah. but yeah, like you, like you said earlier, you know, I, I never foresaw an end date and, but I also never foresaw it just being this fun for this long, but like you, Jason, I can't think of anyone more fun to, to play star Wars with on a podcast than you. So, oh. <laughs> um, so before we wrap things up, um, we just wanted to hit a couple of reminders for folks. Uh, like I said, kind of at the top of the episode, we have, uh, we're doing a book giveaway, um, for star Wars reads month, which is the October of every year. So we have a copy of the, the latest clone wars, book, clone Wars stories of light and dark. It's a collection of short stories of some of your favorite episodes of the clone wars. Um, in order to be entered to win the book, all you have to do is if you're on Twitter, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put the tweet up again later this week. You just have to like it and retweet it. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, you just have to like the picture, um, or you can, uh, leave a review on the iTunes store. If you do all of those things, you'll get entered in three times. Um, so next week at the start of the episode, we'll read off the winner of that particular giveaway. Yes. Um, and then, uh, we've got some, some changes coming to, uh, Patreon, uh, for those of you who are supporters, um, we have a, uh, a brand new, still under construction, uh, Discord server. So for any of you who are Patreon supporters already or want to become Patreon supporters, you get to come and talk with us in a private uh, Discord server uh, for that. And that is also where if you are at the proper level uh, to be part of the 
the new Wampa's Lair book club that will be starting uh, in the next few weeks. Um, that is also where the discussion and conversations for that will be had is in our server. So um, if you're already a, a supporter, please go check our Patreon because we've got links, uh, an invite link to our server. So you have to follow that link in order to be invited. It is a, since it is a private server, um, and, uh, you know, make sure you get that and, and join the conversation. We're just getting it started over there and we're really excited about it. Um, and then if you're interested, all you have to do is support us on Patreon to be part of the server. And if you want to be part of the Wampus there book club, you know, which Carl is going to be heading up here, uh, definitely, you know, join the tier to be part of that. And, and we'll be having the discussions and conversations for that, uh, on there as well. So, yes. And to anyone signing up for Patreon, um, if if you want some free uh, Wampas Lair uh, swag, all you got to do, uh, I guess it's not free if you're signing up for Patreon because Patreon is not free. But um, if, you, if, if you sign up no matter what tier you're in and, and you'd like some, some Wampas Lair swag, all you got to do is email us your mailing address and I'll get that sent to you as well. Yes. Um, so we've, got, we've got some awesome new bookmarks yes, for the book club. Yes, they came out great. So. Um, so we are back to another matchup, another Epic style matchup. Again, uh, shout out to my buddy, Greg, who kind of came up with this idea of doing iconic scenes as matchups. Um, uh, when he was on the show a couple months ago. Um, but this is, this has been a long debate in Star Wars fandom for a few years now. And I think it's a really fun one to have. So for this week, coming weeks matchup, we are going to put up. Which space battle do you prefer? The space battle over Scarif or the space battle over Endor? Uh, this is hard. This is very hard for me. That's the idea. <laughs> I, think I, know, I think I know where I'm going to land on this one, but Carl's making this one a hard choice. I, I jumped on the podcast. And he's like, hey, this is the matchup I thought of. I was like, you're trying to kill me, aren't you? Um <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually say that, but um, yeah, I know that it's going to be really fun. I'm very curious to see what people think because people like different things about space battles and action sequences. So I'm very curious to see how this one um, pans out. But Carl, if uh, people want to weigh in on the matchup or anything that we've discussed today from the Mandalorian sneak peek to our ancillary materials to, hey, just a last minute Congratulations on 400 episodes, and thank you, everyone, so much for being a part of that. We really do appreciate it. Uh, where can people get in contact with us, Carl? Uh, well, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Uh, we have Instagram at the underscore Wampas Lair. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, do you have anything else before we close down this 400th episode of the Wampus Lair podcast? Uh, if you're interested, stick around for episode 10 of the New Hope radio drama. And just to second what Jason said just a minute ago, thank you to everyone who took the time to write in your very kind words for this 400th episode. And to all of those of you who just didn't have the time, who continue to participate in, in our polls and our matchups, um, just carry on conversations over our social media platforms. Thank you for just being there. And even if you just listen... Thank you for taking the time to listen. There are so many great podcasts out there, so many great Star Wars podcasts, and we are just so honored and privileged to have your attention and your time. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. 
from our heart to yours. Thank you so much. May the force be with you. And that'll wrap up this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 400. I can't believe next one's going to be 401, Carl. (laughs) Uh, We have spoken and we've spoken a lot and we'll speak a lot more. (laughs) For Carl, I'm Jason and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Episode 10, The Luke Skywalker Initiative. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. In the rebellion's most desperate crisis, plans vital to the defeat of the empire were hidden in the memory banks of the astro droid R2-D2. R2 and his interpreter counterpart C-3PO have come into the hands of young farmer Luke Skywalker and the veteran Jedi Knight Ben Kenobi. Resolving to deliver R2 and 3PO to the planet Alderaan, Luke and Ben have hired a pair of daring smugglers, Han Solo and his co-pilot Chewbacca, along with their starship, the Millennium Falcon. But forces of the Empire have reached Alderaan's solar system first with their ultimate weapon, a huge space-going fortress called the Death Star, with which they have destroyed the entire planet. The Millennium Falcon arriving on the scene only to find Alderaan obliterated is now being helplessly drawn into the Death Star by a tractor beam. This not Captain Solo is jettisoning the escape pods. But what if they leave us behind? Oh, I simply hate space travel. Why is it that every time we're on board a vessel, somebody seems determined to demolish it? or two. Oh, whatever here, Master Luke. Oh, oh, have we reached the planet Alderaan? There is no Alderaan 3PO. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir, but I feel it's my duty to point out that you are in error. Why, it's was... gone. Somebody's blown it to bits now. Will you shut up and come on? Yes, sir. And make it fast or we're all dead. Chewbacca and Captain Solo will be here in a moment. We're going to take refuge under these deck plates. Deck plates? The Millennium Falcon is a smuggling ship, Luke. Since we cannot avoid being drawn into the battle station, our only chance is to hide in the ship's concealed compartments. Yes, sure. Chewbacca, how much time do we have? Well, then we'd best move quickly. Well, how do we get under the deck plates? You will see. Chewbacca, open them, please. <laughs>
Hidden is right. I'd never seen them. Then lend a hand here, Luke. Okay. 3PO, help Chewbacca lower R2 down there. Very well, sir. Third space looks pretty cramped, Ben. Are you sure there's room enough in there for all of us? There will have to be. We're solo. Making final preparations. Ah, here he is. That's it. We're ready. We got four TIE fighters closing on us. How close are we to the battle station? At the rate they're hauling us toward that oversized ball bearing, they'll have us aboard it in no time. Well, you might as well leave the Falcon's main hatch unlocked or they'll simply blast the way in. Yeah, it's done. Good. Did you make an entry in the ship's log? Yeah, yeah, and I shot off a few escape pods, too. You think you're the only one who's ever conned Imperials? Right. Now, if you don't mind, we're going to have to continue this conversation in my private office. So hop in. Indeed. I know how busy your schedule is, Captain. Get in, Chewie, and hang on to your bowcaster. And you, droid, what's your name? Uh, uh, I am C-3. Just you, move it. Oh, move it. Well, last, kid. Hope you remember yeah, to stretch your legs a bit. We could be down there for a while. Well, as a matter of fact... Oh, forget it. I just hop in. Move over, Chewie. Just pull that deck into place for you. Foot. It'll seal and lock automatically. Just... Quit your griping, Chewie. And get your toe out of my ear. Will you stop bumping me up? What's your estimate of our progress, Captain Solo? Well, they're probably clearing us through their outer defense zones right about now. It looked like they had landing bays around the equator of that station. I guess they'll dock us there. What was all that about the escape pods and the ship's log? I doctored the log to make it look like we abandoned ship in those pods right after liftoff and sent the Falcon along on automatic as a decoy. You think they'll believe it? I don't know. At first, maybe. These compartments are shielded and hidden pretty well. Will you just give me a... Okay. Here we go. Go! That's it. We've been set down in a landing bay. You guys keep your lightsabers handy. If they find us now, there'll be nothing to do but stand tall. You see, I'll do nothing good ever gave a space travel. You'll take a few moments for the pumps to replace the atmosphere in the docking bay, and then... Well, they got the ramp down. Go! Quiet now! That's the main hatch. Stormtroopers! Stormtroopers! We do! Shut up, you Shh! One... Keep still. You're spoiling my count. I think there were four. Shh, shh. Let's see. Uh, I can't tell how many. Six stormtroopers came on board and six have left. You got good ears, old timer. They bought it. Yes, but we still have... Ben? What's the matter? Are you all right? Yes, Luke. I recognize the presence just outside the ship. He's gone now. But his being here explains a great deal. Who was it? Oh, never mind that now. We still got plenty of problems. Let's get out of here. Right. Oh, boy. It's lucky you had these compartments, Han. <laughs> what did I tell you about luck, kid? Never thought I'd be smuggling myself in. Okay. Now what? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off again, I'd never get past that tractor beam. Leave that to me. Old fool. I knew you were going to say that. Who's the more foolish, Captain Solo? The fool or the fool who follows him? It's okay, Chewie. I assume they'll be sending a scanning crew on board for a more thorough search and withdrew the stormtrooper so as not to confuse their instruments. Uh, I'll take a look. Yeah, you called it. There's a two-man crew at the bottom of the ramp with an equipment case. Hmm, then we'll have to... Relax. This is our department. Get set, partner. The rest of you get back out of sight. I'll do the zero feet. Joey,
Easy, easy, easy. Set it down here. Watch your foot. Evening, boys. Sleep tight. Nice work, Chewie. Han, stay where you are. There are two stormtroopers guarding the ramp. Hey, you guys down there. Could you give us a hand for a minute? Our reciprocators stuck in the optical refraction. What's the problem? Hey, look out! Okay, come on. Nice work, Han. Didn't I tell you? It's better to count on a blaster than hokey religions and lightsabers. What now? In order to escape, we'll have to eliminate the tractor beam. Yeah, there's got to be a control office here in the docking bay. We're going to have to get at it somehow. The stormtrooper's armor. You won't be recognized in it. What? Right. You march the rest of us ahead of you. We'll take them by surprise. Hey, now, wait! That wasn't in the deal. There's no telling when someone will come looking for these men, Captain Solo. We have no option. Oh, for... All right. Help me get his armor off, Chewie. Luke, you'll have to wear the other man's armor. Okay. It will be a bit large, but it will do. Right, Ben. Now, you stay behind. And if the command officer tries to contact his men by helmet comlink, step out from the end of the ramp and point to your transmitter to indicate that it's out of order. Okay. Oh, where's the transmitter? There. All right. Well, how do I look? <laughs> I hope yours took a bath once in a while, kid. This guy's armor smells like he lived in it. <laughs> Let's go. I don't see the sentries out there. Maybe the scanning crew found something aboard the captured ship, sir. TX-421, why aren't you at your post? TX-421, do you copy? Okay, there he is. He's pointing to his transmitter. Looks like we got another bad comlink. Take over here. Yes, sir. I'll go and see what I can do. Now let me get this stupid helmet off. Oh. You see any more of them, old man? I think there are only these two. Luke, 3PO, R2, come in there quickly. You know, Han, between that Wookiee's howling and you're blasting everything inside, it's a wonder the whole station doesn't know we're here. Well, bring him on. I prefer a straight fight to all this sneaking around. R2 says he's found an outlet to the main computer, sir. What? Excellent. Now have R2 plug into the outlet. Yes, sir. His information retrieval capacity should enable him to interpret the entire Imperial computer network. Great. R2 says he's found the main control to the tractor beam that's holding the Millennium Falcon here. Can he make the precise location appear on the monitor? That's it, they're on the screen. R2 says the tractor beam is coupled to the main reactor in seven locations. A power loss at any one of the terminals would deactivate the beam and allow us to leave. Mm. I don't think anyone else can help me with this task. I must go alone. What? Whatever you say, old man. I've done more than I bargained for on this trip already. Ben, I want to go with you. Be patient, Luke. Stay here and watch over the droids. But how don't you bark at R2 and 3PO must be delivered safely, or other star systems will suffer the same fate as Alderaan. Now, your destiny lies along a different path from mine. The Force will be with you, Luke. Always. Ben! <laughs> you said it, Chewie. And where'd you dig up that old fossil? Ben kid? is a great man. Yeah, What's great that? at getting us into trouble. Well, I didn't hear you coming up with any uh, ideas. Well, anything would be better than just hanging around here waiting for a storm for Who do you think got us this far, Bubble? What is that, 3 What's our two so excited I'm not quite sure, sir. He was searching the computer network, and now he keeps saying, I found her, and keeps repeating, she's here. Well, who? Who has he found? Princess Leia. 
Princess? She's here? Princess? Where? Where is she? What, what are you... What princess? What's going on? R2 says she's on level 5, detention block AA23. He's mapped the location there on the screen. I'm afraid she's scheduled to be terminated. What? Terminated? Oh, no, we got to do something. What are you talking about? The Princess Leia of Alderaan. The droids belong to her. She's the one that... Oh, never mind. we got to help her. Hey, now, look. Let's not get any funny ideas. The old man wants us to wait right here. But he didn't know she was here. we got to figure out a way to get into the detention block. Well, I'm not going anywhere. But they're going to execute her. Look, a few minutes ago, you said you didn't want to just wait around to be captured. You wanted to do something. Well, <laughs> marching into the detention level is not what I had in mind. But they're going to kill her. <laughs> Better her than me. Oh, Han, we can't let him do it. If you only knew her, she's beautiful. <laughs> so is life, kid. She's rich. Rich? Mm-hmm. Rich, powerful. Uh, wait a second. Now, she was rich on Alderaan, but Alderaan ain't there anymore, remember? Who'd pay? Well, the Rebel Alliance, that's who. And the Imperial Senate. She's the sole surviving heir to the off-world holdings of the Royal House of Alderaan. If you rescue her, the reward would probably be... What? Well, more wealth than you can imagine. Oh, don't bet on it. I can imagine quite a bit. You'll get it. I'd better. What about the droids? Oh. Well, they'll be all right here. Look, we gotta save the princess. She's much more important right now. What's your plan? Um... 3PO? Master Luke? Hand me that pair of wrist binders over there, will you? Yes, sir. Thanks. What are you going to do with a pair of cuffs? Okay, I'm going to put these wrist binders on Chewbacca and... Okay, uh, Han, you, you put them on. <laughs> Don't worry, Chewie. <laughs> I think I know what he's got in mind. Get your helmet, kid. Now, 3PO, use that handheld comm link to keep in touch with us. Let's go. Uh, Master Luke, sir. Yeah? Uh, pardon me for asking, but what should Arto and I do if we're discovered here? Mm. Lock the door. Yeah, and hope they don't have blasters. That isn't very reassuring. think you're taking this thing? Uh, it's a prisoner transfer from detention block 1138. Well, nobody notified me, and I'm the duty officer here. I'll have to clear it. This is block uh, AA23, duty officer speaking. Put me through to the detention level commander. They're not going for it. Sir, we have an irregularity here. There's apparently been a foul-up in the prisoner transfer. That's right, sir. What are we going to do? Yes, I'll hold. There are only three guards and the duty officer. Chewie, you grab my blaster and make it look like you're making a break, okay? Go! Oh, look out! He's got my blaster! Shoot at that camera eye! Come on! 
Okay, shoot out the last Memorite. Let me get this helmet off. Really stinks in there. Attention level double A suit three. What's happening? What's I got going the camera. I do something about that alarm. Attention Why did he have to pick an alarm switch? The guy on stupid officers. Attention level double A suit three. What's now, happening? Now we better find out which cell that princess of yours is in. Attention level double A suit three. Cell number twenty one eight seven. You go get it, kid. I'll try to keep the lid on things here. I'll be right back. I hope. Let's have a little peace and quiet. Attention level. Um. Uh. This is. Detention level, uh, uh, AA23. Uh, everything's under control down here. Uh, situation is normal. What's going on? What's happening? Uh, well, we had a, a, a slight, uh, weapons malfunction, but, you know, everything's perfectly all right now. It's, 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 we're fine. We're all fine here. Thank you. Fine. Um, how are you? We're sending a squad to your location. Oh, oh, negative, negative. We, we had a, 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 a reactor leak here. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. It's large leak. Very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating um, company? Uh, 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 good idea. <laughs> Boring conversation anyway. Let's hope the kid moves fast, Chewie. We're going to have company. Will, what do you want? Wow. I... Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Huh? Oh, the uniform. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. You're... You're what? Here to rescue you. I've got your R2 unit. I'm here with Ben Kenobi. Ben Kenobi? Where is he? No time to explain. Come on. Luke, get back! The stormtroopers blew the door. We couldn't hold him. We can't get out that way. Looks like we just lost our only escape route. Maybe you prefer to stay here in your cell, your highness. I'll try and contact 3PO on the conlink. 3PO? See, 3PO, do you copy? Yes, Master Luke. We've been cut off in the detention block. Is there any other way out of the cell bay? I'm just not gone. What was that? I didn't copy. Artu says all systems have been alerted to your presence. The entrance to the detention block seems to be the only way in or out. All other information on your level is restricted. He says there's no other way out of here! This is some rescue! You came in here, didn't you have a plan for getting out? He's the brains of the operation, sweetheart! Well, you know... Luke, give me your blaster! Here! What are you blasting the wall for? Somebody has to save our skins! I opened a hole in the garbage chute! Follow me, flyboy! She's crazy! But... Okay! <laughs> Chewie, you're next! Get in that garbage chute, you big furry oak! Move, I said! I don't care what you smell! Oh, you won't! Wonderful girl you dragged this after, kid. You know, I've got a killer. I'm beginning to like her. Get going. Here goes. Whoa. Look out! idea, your highness. <laughs> oh my, what an incredible smell you've discovered. Oh. Oh, where's my blaster? I'm getting out of here. Chewie, get away from that door. No, don't do that. On, wait. <laughs> oh. Will you forget it? The room's magnetically sealed. Put that thing away before you get us all killed. 
absolutely, your oh. worship. Look, I had everything oh. under control until you let us down here. You know, it's not going to take them long to figure out what happened to Oh, it could be worse. <coughs> it's worse. There's something alive in here. Can you see anything? There's not much light. <laughs> it's your imagination. Oh. There's a... Whoa! Something just brushed past my leg. Oh, no! Look <laughs> oh, there! Did you see that? It looked like a tentacle or something. No! A tentacle? What? Where? Where? Oh, something grabbed hold of my foot! Oh, move! 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 Chewbacca can find no escape. Elsewhere on the Death Star, 3PO and R2 are about to fall into the hands of Imperial stormtroopers, and Ben Kenobi continues his lone mission. And if they fail, if they die, the galaxy will come permanently under the yoke of the Empire. Star Wars, Episode 10 by Brian Daly. Based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Bernard Behrens as Ben Kenobi, Perry King as Han Solo, and Anne Sachs as Leia. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Saar. Executive producer was Richard Toskin. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Teitelman. 